the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. When you hear the word church, what do you think of? Well, for many people, they think of a building with pews, maybe a steeple. Perhaps in your life experience, it is a church that um, has a tremendous sense of architecture about it and design. It has stained glass windows and, and, and vaulted ceilings and a pretty spectacular example of architecture. But for others, when you look at the true definition of the church from a biblical perspective, has far less to do with buildings, in fact, nothing to do with buildings at all, but rather to do with people. So what does the church look like? Well, joining us today with some insights, we're joined by Pastor Bill. He is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel of Mountain View. And Pastor, great to have you with us today. It's great to be here, Craig. Thanks you for know, I think in this day and age, especially with everything that we have going on in the world around us, I mean, you know, the, the Bible talks about the end times and there being seasons of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in diverse places, pandemics. We've certainly seen all of that and then some. And I right. have to wonder, particularly from a, a Christian perspective in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, if many of these events that are taking place is not in one form or fashion a manner in which God is trying to get our attention to call us to be the church, to come into the church and be a part of the body of Christ. What do you think? Well, absolutely. I mean, what an exciting time to be a Christian. Uh, certainly, I just think each day we just see the pages of the Bible on the news uh, every night, you know, and, and uh, there's nothing I think that would surprise us at this point. Um, but I think it's an exciting time for the church. I think that uh, we're just seeing such a move of the spirit right now uh, within the church and into the church as people, you know, from outside are looking inside, you know, when the when the fabric of society is shaken up the way that we've all been shaken up in these last years uh, and, you know, continue to be shaken up. Um, people start to look for answers and they realize that that what they thought was their firm foundation isn't nearly as firm as they once believed it was. And so they're looking for something that's real and something that's true and something that's, uh, you know, authentic, I guess, is the big word these days. And um, really, the more they look, the the more they realize that that's only found uh, in the scriptures, it's only found in God himself, and it's uh, it's driving a whole new generation of people uh, to really seek him out. So it's exciting, I think. I mean, it you know, none of us liked living through what we've lived through, and yet it's, uh, it's producing wonderful fruit, I think, within the kingdom. You use the term authentic or authenticity, which I think is something that people are also very desperate for these days. I mean, we, we see such a tremendous lack of, of authenticity coming from mainstream media, coming from 
our leaders and our politicians, that it's almost as if uh, people wonder if it's an old-fashioned word anymore. And yet, as you suggest, there's that God-shaped vacuum inside of all of us uh, that longs for relationship with the Creator. Now, we might not be able to articulate it that way. We might be on a journey that leads us to many other means or attempts in our fallen sin nature to try and find a sense of fulfillment in that part of our life. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think for each and every one of us, we discover that whether it's through drugs or riches or popularity or fame or power or whatever it might be, none can satisfy the way a relationship with the true creator of everything around us, including we ourselves, very God himself. And so in, in that in that quest for authenticity, what are in, in your mind, Pastor Bill, some of the challenges facing the church today as we seek to be that that preservative and that light before the world? Well, I think the, the biggest challenge facing the church today is that um, I think there are so many within the church who don't want to be the church. Mm. And what I mean by that is that we're trying to look like the world so that we can attract the world. And I, I do think that there's a period that 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 worked, but it doesn't work anymore because I think that uh, that people today and especially these younger generations that are coming up, um, they have already had their fill of the world. And, you know, that veneer that just makes everything look so polished on social media and and so you know polished in the you know the other forms of media that, that we've all grown up with um it it's not taking people very long to see that that veneer is thin and that it wears out and that there really is something more that they need to look at and i i think that we as the church um Again, I think we just need to, to to admit that that's what people want. They want the real thing, and there's no need for us to try to be anything different. You know, the, the thing that, that I love about the Bible is that um, the Bible is so real and so authentic. And as you know, Craig, being a student of the Bible yourself, the Bible doesn't anywhere try to hide the flaws of its main characters. I mean, it tells the good and the bad and the ugly about I mean, the, the, the fathers of the faith, if you will, um, their lives were just as messy as our lives are. And, you know, there, there is, there's people in the Bible that are as corrupt as any corrupt politician that you could, that, you know, or public figure that you could find today. And yet the Bible shows us the amazing way that God uses even these flawed individuals and he redeems even their worst mistakes. And he turns that, you know, again, in, into beauty for ashes, if you will. And I, I think there's there's such hope there that's in the pages of the scriptures. And there's such a reality there that um, that's what people are hungry for. And that's what they find, you know, as you just dig into the Bible and you get past the stories that everybody knows and you start looking into the wonderful, rich pages of the Old Testament and you start looking at, you know, the passages of the Gospels that that people don't usually talk about. And that's where I think you find the real meat and you find the real depth and you find just the real humanity that matches your life story. 
And I think that that's what's such an encouragement to people that they, they realize, wow, I don't, I don't have to get myself cleaned up before I come to Jesus. I just come to Jesus with all my mess and he takes care of that. And that's what people, that's what people need. And it's not about, again, our, our ministry at Calvary Mountain View, um, you know, we don't have a lot of flash. We we have wonderful people that lead us in worship, but we don't have any fog machines and we don't have any moving lights and stro and that's all all that I don't have a problem with any of that stuff. And yet I always joke with our people, I say, Boy, if you're coming to church here, I know you're here for the right reasons because you're you're not here for the flash and the show. You're here for the word of God. And you're here because you believe that God has something that he wants to speak to each one of us today uh, that's for today. And so that I just think that's the, the beautiful thing about the faith. And that's what it's just the, the, the wonderful reality. I think the church just needs to walk in uh, today. And I think, you know, to, to your point, uh, narrow is the path, as we're reminded right. in Scripture, right? right, and, right. I, and I think sometimes out of perhaps a misguided desire to want to see the numbers and watch God do incredible things that we sometimes um, decide to do the job of the Holy Spirit for for him right. by saying, well, let's do everything that we can to get as many people in as we possibly can. And you know what? We, we if, if, if it's good enough for the world, it should even be better for us. So, you know, as much sis boom bang as we can bring to the presentation as possible. The problem, of course, is at the end of the day, you wind up creating a church that's a mile wide and an inch deep. And we're we're so afraid of offending that we yeah, try to yeah. uh, water things down. Let's not chase people out. A look at the ministry of Calvary Chapel Mountain View. We'll take a brief time out back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation we're visiting today with Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Mountain View. Pastor Bill, I want to come back to what we were discussing just before the break. Years ago, I went to go and and, uh, and visit a church, and uh, they encouraged people to actively not bring their Bibles to church on Sunday because they were fearful that seekers that would come in would think, well, these are a bunch of Bible thumpers and, you know, we, we right. can't be scaring people off. So just leave your Bible at home. Pastor will, will quote the passage as he begins the sermon. I'm thinking... <laughs> Aren't we kind of missing I, the entire point here if we take that I, approach? I tell our people, you need to have your Bible to make sure I'm not making stuff up. There you up go. Because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I love, there's nothing I love more than to see those eyes out in the pews going up and down and up and down and down at your Bible. And, you know, and I, I think, Greg, as you pointed you know, there's this desire, maybe misguided, but I, I think that for the most part, it's always sincere. I mean, I think it's always a sincere desire to see more people reached, and yet the, the, the compromise sometimes is made just in all the wrong areas, and we and we dilute, we end up diluting and taking all the power out of, you know, the power is in the Word of God, and the power is in what the Holy Spirit's doing, and, uh, and you know, you, you mentioned not 
you know, we try not to offend. And I, I joked with our folks just a couple Sundays ago that I worked very hard up here to keep our church as small as possible because, you know, if, if people don't come back because, because they don't like me, then that's on me. But if people don't come back because they don't like the truth of what the Bible says, then I'm just going to leave that to the Lord. And, and, and maybe that's the best thing for them. If they were offended and they were pricked a little bit, uh, maybe that's okay because that gives the Holy Spirit something to work with them on. Uh, and he does a much better job at it than any of us ever could. Amen. Well, and, and, and we're even told that the gospel is an offense, quote unquote, to those right. that are perishing. You know, right. none of us want to be confronted head on with our failures and, and the things that we have done and failed to do that separate us from God. And yet, isn't it delightful that the Holy Spirit comes not to condemn, but to convict? Right. That right. sense of bringing the awareness so that then we can have that epiphany, that that aha moment. And to snap us out of our complacency. and yeah. Exactly. And then and then surrender ourselves to the Lord and watch and wait and see what happens. And, and, and I have to wonder toward that end, would it behoove the church in 2023 to look more at how the first century church looked and operated and do a better job of sort of mimicking them and I and I pose that question because if you look at the first century church and 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 the early days the book of acts the book of romans and so forth in the new testament you know this picture emerges that's kind of the polar opposite of what we often see today either the high church with the fancy architecture and the high steeple and all the stained glass as I referred to in my opening comments or the church that's very much trying to look like a, a Hollywood show or, or a Broadway presentation with fancy lights and big orchestras and wonderful singers and, and many little sermons that don't go very deep and don't offend anybody. So we all feel really great when we walk out of church, but don't feel any different. And yet, if you look at the first century church, it was all about relationships, iron sharpening iron, coming together, overcoming Diverse challenges related to, to persecution and, right. and what it meant to be truly be a, a son and daughter of the very high God, to be a true disciple of Jesus. And I'm wondering if maybe the, the failure has been that we've looked too much at our own answers as to how to grow the church, when in reality, the, the answer is right there in the pages of the Word. Well, I remember years ago, I went to a pastor's luncheon and... You know, where where I was able to, you know, to meet and to sit and to talk with pastors from other uh, denominations and other approaches. And and I remember there was a big discussion about, well, what's your ministry model or what's your, you know, what growth model are you, you know, and it got to me and I just said, well, uh uh, I don't know. I guess Acts 242 is my ministry model. And they sort of looked at me like I was kidding. Like I, you know, I wasn't following any of these prescribed manners. I said, well, we just sort of try to do what we see in the book of Acts. And I don't think it needs to be a lot more complicated than that. And I was a younger pastor at the time. And these more seasoned pastors, I think, just looked at me and thought, well, he'll learn, he'll learn, he'll learn. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't know that there is a better ministry model than what we see in the book of Acts. And I, I think, as you pointed out, it would the, the church of every generation and every year, especially as we go into 
23 and 24, you know, we would all do well just to look back at the book of Acts uh, and what the Lord did there, uh, because it's what he wants to do again. It's precisely what he wants to do for every generation is exactly what he did for them. I, I recall a conversation many years ago in China with a underground pastor, um, and um, we were kind of talking about the history of his ministry and what God had been doing, and um, began talking about not only the history, but also his vision for the future. And, uh, you know, at one point, one of my colleagues posed the question, well, Pastor, where do you see the church in a year? And he gave out a figure that essentially doubled the church attendance number. And then somebody else piped up and said, well, where do you see yourself in five years? And if you did the quick math in your head, he had multiplied the church size five times over. And, and finally, somebody stopped and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're talking about effectively doubling the size of your church every 12 months. How right. is that even possible? <laughs> and his answer came back rough, roughly translated from Mandarin in, into English. This yeah. is very easy. We each one tells one, each one brings one, each one disciples one, and in 12 months time, we repeat the process. So the idea is everybody in church on Sunday is charged that sometime in the next 12 months, reach somebody for Christ, lead them to Christ, and begin discipling them. And at the end of 12 months, that that person then in turn would do the same. And so, therefore, the church would double in size effectively every year. And his history up to that point since their inception had demonstrated that that, in fact, was exactly what was happening, which comes back to the idea that, yes, it's not a four-day seminar that you have to travel and go here. There isn't a 500-page syllabus that you have to study and pages you have to fill out to learn how to implement this multi-year plan. It's just kind of the basics, following Jesus' plan and watching the Holy Spirit bring the results. Right. And I think, too, what you know, what's exciting as you're talking, Craig, I think about the Bay Area where we live now. And you think about the way that our population in the Bay Area has changed. Um, and yet the, the, the method doesn't have to change. And what's exciting, I think, about where we are now is that as I look around the Bay Area, I see that God has brought the entire mission field right here to our doorstep. I mean, of course, I think going, you know, going on missions trips and sending missionaries and but we don't need to go anywhere to do cross cultural missionary work because the whole world is right here at our doorstep. And they've you know, they're here to work and they're here to live. And what's neat about that is that, you know, you remember 20 years ago or more. You'd have to work hard to find someone who'd never heard of Jesus or someone who really didn't know the gospel because everybody just knows, you know. But now I think we have a whole we have a whole group of people who, if they've heard the name of Jesus, they don't necessarily know the gospel of Jesus. And it is just as life-changing for them now to hear this as it was for those first-century believers to hear this gospel for the first time. And And the power of that gospel to change lives today is no different than what we see in those pages of the book of Acts. So, I mean, I think like we started out, it is such an exciting time to be 
a Christian and to to have this good news to be able to share. It's really remarkable. And, and I think that, that I think where we live. Absolutely. And I think that takes us to full circle to the notion of, of the the simplicity of the power of the gospel. And and sometimes right. I think, you know, there's always that sense of, well, is that all there is? There's got to be more. I mean, well, what do you mean? Jesus did all the work on the cross. I have nothing to do but repent and, right. and surrender. No, that can't be. There's got to be a 12 step program involved in here. There needs right. to be plans and and formulas and all the things that we have to do, which then suddenly shifts the power of salvation from singularly Jesus to our work. And as we know in Scripture, our works are dead, right? And, well, we want and to think we had a part in it, right? That's right, exactly. We want to, we want to take a... We, listen, if we're going to be responsible uh, yeah. for, for ultimately, you know, potentially spending eternity in a very warm place, we right. just at least want to make sure we get a little credit if we are, are successful at bypassing that that well, that our, negative our part, eternal the, our part of the gospel was the sin part. That's I, right. I, I excelled at that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I did my part. Yeah. Thank you, God he did his. You right. and you and everybody else listening, no no <laughs> doubt about it. A look at the ministry of Calvary Chapel Mountain View. We'll take a brief time out back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation we're visiting today with Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Mountain View. Pastor Bill, let's go back to what we were discussing just prior to the break. You know, from a simplicity standpoint, and this is one of the things that I appreciate about Calvary Chapels. And, of course, longtime listeners to this radio station will recall the, the, the presence of uh, Chuck Smith for many, many, many years yeah. until the Lord called him home. Yeah. And, you know, his approach, going back for folks that don't know the story, going back to the Jesus movement of the 1970s in Southern well, they California. Can, they can go to the movie theater and see the story right now. Right? That's right. That's right. But, you know, in those days, they went to the beach. And, you know, Chuck Smith's approach was we, we can hang up a shingle and hope that they will come, or we can really take the message of scripture to heart where it says to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come right. in right. and delivering a compelling message of hope and renewal and change yeah. lives and purpose and meaning and and that's exactly what they went about doing and and right. the 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 fancy architecture, not that there's anything wrong with that, but the fancy architecture was abandoned, along with even having to wear ties and three-piece suits on Sunday morning in right. favor of, let's just be who we are. We shouldn't be any different on Sunday than who we are Monday through Saturday. Bring our failures, our hurts, our needs, our sin condition to the altar on Sunday. Yeah, Surrender it to God. And watch what the Holy Spirit does in return. And I think the simplicity of that message that that Chuck Smith was preaching literally on the beaches of Southern California um, 40, 50-something years ago now is as effective a message today as it ever was, and maybe even more so, because as we say, you you mentioned earlier, the the competition that we have with Silicon Valley and technology and and, and wealth and power and all of these things that kind of tend to get in the way. 
Sure. And yet to then suddenly awaken to the reality of the simplicity of the gospel message and how effective and powerful it can be when we surrender our lives. Wow. If that isn't a wake up and smell the cocoa kind of message, then I don't know right. what is. Right. Well, and Pastor Chuck's philosophy, he would tell us uh, every time we met as pastors was simply teach the word simply. And, you know, that's that's really what it's about, because as people grow in the word and they grow in their understanding of the word and, and not simply me telling you what the word means and telling you what the Greek means and the Hebrew means. And that stuff is important. But just that just simply and effectively opening up the scriptures to someone and letting the message of God speak for itself. I mean, there's nothing more important, I think, that for us as the church to be able to do, because as you said, Craig, that's where the that's where the hope is. And, you know, they don't need me to tell them. We can just open up the Bible and Jesus will tell them. Those red letters will do all of the talking and uh, you know, and that's, you know, that's a credible, valid, you know, authentic, like we said before, that's the source of truth and the source of hope is right there in the scriptures. And we just need to open it up and uh, and let it do its work, you know. Is so. the message behind that, Pastor Bill, the notion that we need to, how should I phrase this? Be, be be less reliant upon our own wit and wisdom and and simply more reliant on the simplicity of the power of the gospel message and i and i pose that question because quite often i'll hear folks say that well you know i i understand we should be out and sharing our faith and reaching others but you know my faith is a very private thing which typically means i'm shy that's the definition right. there the, the right. translation or you know i don't want to force my views on somebody else translation I really don't have a very good handle on scripture memorization. So if somebody asks a question that I feel incapable of answering, I, I, I will just take kind of the easy way out and say, well, I, I don't want to impose my views. And so suddenly we're, we're finding all these, these pretexts in order to sort of right. get out of what should be our absolute joy in sharing our faith. And we oftentimes, I think, substitute reliance upon the power of the word and the Holy Spirit for thinking we need to do it under our own power. And is right. it any wonder then people say, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I don't know how to give an answer for the hope that lies within because I'm not certain myself. Well, and, and I think that that's the that's the exciting thing, I think, Craig, about being a part of this Calvary Chapel movement that we're part of is it's a story you know, as we alluded to, the, that movie that's out in the theaters right now, The Jesus Revolution, it's just the story of how God took these ordinary, untrained, uneducated people and uses them as his voice just to open up the scriptures. You know, I I am not the, as, as you can tell, I am not the smartest calf in the herd. And yet, you know, God uses people like that just to, to open up. And his truth is so simple. The Holy Spirit can speak to a person's heart so much better than than we can. I was joking with my church uh, the other Sunday that 
oftentimes somebody will come up to me after a message and they'll say, oh, Pastor Bill, it it really spoke to me today when you were talking about X, Y, Z thing. And and I'll nod and I'll think, well, that's great. I'm so glad that that spoke to you. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I never actually said that. Like, I never actually said what it was that really ministered to them. And it used to really bother me. And I'm like, Lord, they're not even listening to what I'm saying up here. And, and the Lord spoke to me one day and he goes, no, Bill, they're not listening to you. They're listening to me. Mm. And I said, okay, Lord, I got the message, you know, so they're listening to the Holy Spirit as he is speaking to them through the word. And the person up front is, is just a mouthpiece. You know, that's all, you know, as John the Baptist said, I pray that I would decrease, that he would increase. And, and that's the, the beauty I think of, of what we're doing in, in the Calvary chapels is, um, you know, it's a lot of guys who simply love the Lord and want to be used by him and want to want to be a vessel uh, that he can speak through. And, and God's the one, and the Holy Spirit's the one that's really speaking to this culture today with that message of, of hope that you've talked so much about. And it really comes down then, I think, to a matter of surrender and availability and you know if if we'll do those two things and put our trust in the holy spirit to work out the rest then you know all things come together for good for those that love the lord and are called according to his purpose and i and empowering people to be able to do that too absolutely where the people people look and they say wow if bill can do it then i certainly can and here's a funny thing you know as as you were mentioning about some of some of the, the the faith leaders of scripture you know the the irony is if we took a couple of steps back and looked at not Paul who wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament or any any of these people that we would say are, are, are certainly uh, role models of the early church, the original 12, etc., etc., we would look at any of them. If it was simply a matter of investigating their, their wherewithal and qualifications based on their, their resumes— not a one would get hired. There's not a church that would anywhere say, Saul, this guy that was out there persecuting Christians right and left, we're going to let him get in the pulpit? Absolutely no way. Go back to the pulpit committee and say, keep looking. This is not our guy. I mean, none of them would qualify. And yet all of us stand on the shoulders of the faith legacy that they have left behind. A look at the ministry of Calvary Chapel Mountain View. We'll take a brief time out back to more of the conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation we're visiting today with Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Mountain View. Pastor Bill, let's go back to what we were discussing just prior to the break. I guess the next question for us is, who will then stand on our shoulders of the faith legacy that we leave behind in influencing our friends, our co-workers, our family, our children? Right. right. Well, and how, how can we be faithful to leave it? And the example of these men that we see in Scripture is that we simply need to be devoted to God and yielded to him and whatever he wants to do with our lives and however he wants to use it. And I mean, again, that's why as we started talking about, I love studying the the people in scripture that God used because most of them were such knuckleheads. It gives me hope that God 
that God could do something, uh, you know, that lasts through my life. Um, you know, he did it through their lives. As you pointed out, not a one of them were qualified, not a one of the 12 were qualified to, to be, you know, a, a disciple, let alone become the apostles. And, uh, you know, when Jesus chose each one of them, it's funny in the, in, in Mark's account, it's just after Jesus chooses the 12 that his family and friends come and think he's lost his mind. And I think that has a lot to do with it. He's like, look, we were worried about you before, but now we've just seen who you've called to be your 12 disciples. And now we know that you've gone off the deep end, Jesus. And yet, of course, he knew exactly what he was doing and he knows exactly what he was doing when he chooses each one of us and uses us in whatever way he he wants to do that. So our job is just to be open and available to it. David, David always comes to mind. And yeah, I think of the right. times in which um, I have have fled to the book of Psalms right. uh, for comfort and encouragement and, and, and just wanting a sense of, 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 of having hope renewed in difficult times um, or, or in moments when you just want to surrender all to the Lord. And I look at some of those incredible Psalms that he wrote. Yeah. And if you don't think about who the author was of those Psalms, it's all wonderful. If you start to think right. about this guy's background, you're thinking, Wait, is that the same David? Oh, no, this can't be. And yet right. this is, I think, the, the hope, Pastor Bill, that all of us can and should have, and that is to see who these men and women were and what God did in their life and how he used them, and yeah. then to recognize, guess what? We have the same kind of potential before yes. God today the yes. only difference between them then and us now is to what degree are we willing to surrender? To what degree are we willing to trust? To what degree are we willing to obey what he has called us to do? I think that's the only notable difference that we yeah. can delineate between one era of the, the early so-called fathers of the faith and who we are today. Yeah. And, you know, you look at it and you know, if there's one other difference, perhaps it's that we have too many other things that we're trying to rely on, oh, yes. you know, and you look at you look at these men, you think about David and so many of these Psalms were written during his time out in the wilderness. And, you know, again, it's that old saying that you don't realize that God is all you need until God is all that you have. And you and David was brought to that kind of place. And I love the Psalms, too, Craig, obviously. And, you know, what I love about the Psalms is that you look at so many of them that David wrote and at the beginning of the psalm he is in distress and he is in turmoil sometimes his attitude is as bad as my attitude gets sometimes and yet you look in the way that the psalm progresses and you just watch that from you know, from the opening, and then you see him start to, his focus starts to shift back to the Lord off of the circumstance that he's in or that he's fearful about. And by the end of the psalm, he's erupting in these praises to the Lord. And 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 it's just so beautiful because that's the way that God works in my heart. You know, he starts me out, and I'm at this place of upset and worry and fear. But then as he works in me and suddenly by the end of that 
you know, he has infused himself back into my situation and now I'm not fearful anymore. And now that anxiety that I had has been replaced by peace. And now I'm praising the Lord at the end, like I should have been at the beginning, even though nothing has changed. My circumstance hasn't changed, but my focus has, and he's gotten my focus back on him. And that's, I think, the power of those Psalms, uh, you know, particularly those ones written by David in the, his times of greatest distress. Now, uh, let me encourage your heart. A moment ago, you said that folks will come up to you and say, oh, pastor, you said thus and such during your sermon that really spoke to me. Yeah. And you're thinking, wait, I'm going over my notes saying, wait a minute, that's not, I never said that. I never said that. Yeah. You, you just used the line a moment ago that, that, that I wrote down because I'm going to use it again. I may or may not give you, give you recognition when I've repeated. It, I may claim it's my own, but the statement, and I think it, this is a great statement to transition on, because then I want to talk a bit about what God is doing specifically at Calvary Mountain View. But the, the remark that you made, you don't really understand that God is all you need until God is all you have. Amen. And wow, that that should resonate with every single one of us yes. every single day. Absolutely. Right. And we should we would all do well, I think, to be more desperate for God more often than we really are. And, 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 you know, and maybe, too, as we look at the storms of life that blow our way in whatever form and fashion that may take, you know, oftentimes it is indeed God trying to call our attention to recognize that, you know, as much as we think we need stuff and money and power and authority and influence and all of this the end of the day, all we really need is God. Right. And that's and you watch uh, God strip those things away from us. You know, I, I probably shouldn't say this on the radio, so hopefully you'll edit this out. But, you know, sometimes somebody in the church will come to me and they'll talk to me about this difficult situation they're going through or all of these things that are happening to their lives. And it's just problems cascading one upon the other. And in my heart, I'm thinking, praise God that this is all happening to you because, you know, because I can see the fruit of the hope in their eyes that, you know, and, and they're being brought to a place or allowed to, to come to a place. The Lord's allowing this and he's accomplishing a work in them that I know there is no possible way would happen outside. Now, they're not seeing it this way in the middle of it. But, you know, by the time they get to the end of it, they're going to see it just like I'm seeing it right now. And it's exciting. I mean, we all could use a few. Now, I'm going to say this and regret it the minute we're done here. But we could all use a few more big storms to blow through our lives uh, to redirect us and to perfect us and, and uh, all the things that God uses those storms to do. Yeah, I, I, I am uh, wholeheartedly inclined to agree with you. Pastor <laughs> Bill, let's uh, let's pivot for a moment in the, in the couple of minutes that uh, remain in our conversation for folks that have just tuned in and, and uh, they've appreciated you sharing from your heart today and they think, you know, I'd like to go check out uh, Calvary Chapel of Mountain View. Tell us a bit about what God is doing in the church, where do you meet, and when can folks come on in and uh, participate in a uh, in a Sunday worship service. 
Yeah, so our Sunday morning services are at 10 a.m., and we meet in a beautiful church building that we actually uh, rent. (laughs) But we meet there on Sunday mornings at 10, and it's at 1904 Silverwood Avenue, uh, just right there in the heart of Mountain View. I always joke that we could throw a rock and hit Google from, from where we are. Um, uh, but we, uh, we have a wonderful church body that is really, uh, boy, you know, when you talked at the beginning in your intro about what the church is and, and church to me says family and, you know, and, and our church has really, uh, grown into this beautiful family of people from all different walks of life. And, uh, you know, what's really exciting now, you know, I mean, all the churches look different now after the kind of after Corona, you know, after the pandemic. And uh, but what, you know, we we probably had nearly a dozen families move out of the area as a result of the pandemic, you know, families whose, you know, their employers, these big tech firms said, you can go live anywhere you want and just work remotely. And and they said, great, let's do it. And, you know, off they go. And Tennessee was calling and Texas was calling and Idaho was calling. And, um, and yet, you know, God just continues to bring people. And, and I, what's exciting for me right now, Craig, is that the people that have started in with us now, kind of post pandemic, there is a, a hunger for the word and a hunger for fellowship and a hunger for that sense of family and belonging and connection um, that I think is unique from what we were ever seeing before. And there's just a renewed sense of, I think, where, where people realize that this is an important thing in their lives and they want it. We have a whole new group of uh, young people that are coming out now to the church. You know, some of the, the college students from some of the, the college campuses in the area uh, are coming out and just... Um, as we started out talking about just really looking for truth and what, you know, what it is and what does God say? Because all of these other things that they were told are true, uh, they've come to the realization that they're not as true as as they thought they were. <laughs> and and now they're looking for uh, for what is really true and they're finding it in the word. So yeah. it's pretty exciting, I think. Firm foundation upon which to build their lives. Again, for more information regarding the ministry of Calvary Chapel Mountain View, which meets Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 1904 Silverwood Avenue in downtown Mountain View. There's also a, a weeknight service and Bible study, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Complete details online at CC. MV, think Calvary Chapel Mountain View, ccmv.org, or you can call the church at area code 650-564-4274. Pastor Bill, we sure appreciate your time and sharing a bit of your heart of what God is doing at Calvary Chapel Mountain View. Thanks again. Thanks, Craig. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. 
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.